Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 178. Once again, you've got Chris and Brian. And this time, we're going to take a, a quick peek behind the curtain at what we call gun store math. Uh, or why do we, as much as you sometimes want to sell guns to us, um, we don't necessarily want to buy them. Yep. Uh, and then a little look at like ATF uh, shenanigans and suppressors and some things like that too. Absolutely. Guys, so I'm going to start off with a, um, a quick briefing about etiquette. Um, those of you tuning in, this is likely not for you if you're listening to our podcast. This is likely something that you could pass on to your brethren who maybe um, grew up hunting, grew up on the farm, were in the army or this, that, or the other, uh, but aren't necessarily gun guys at this point, but maybe something's changed and they're looking at getting back into the world of guns. And it kind of dovetails with selling a gun to a gun store. Um, there, there are some things that I'll, I'll throw out there just simply from a perspective of not starting off with not scaring the natives or the locals when you come to the gun store to sell your gun. Uh, if you pull into the parking lot, we are, we are in a parking lot shared with a few other businesses. Um, and as a general rule of thumb, people who commonly come and go from those businesses know there's a gun store here. Kinda. Uh, we even have people that are regulars who've been regulars at the restaurant next door that don't know that we're a gun store. So you pull up and park your uh, your grunt-styled out rig with your flag on it and your grunt-styled t-shirt and this, that, and the other, and hop out with your AR um, in hand. And, and the way you're handling the gun is not as Musashi would have you, which is appropriate for not wanting to scare people. You're holding an AR in some fashion that the guy in the gun store looks out and goes, oh, okay, this guy's not pointing the gun at me. He's not clearly loading a magazine in the gun, this, that, and the other. But the local fluff, the local gentry, the local non-gunned-up poofs um, who don't understand the culture don't realize that how you're holding the gun makes you not really a threat. And so they kind of freak out because you're still holding a gun. And to them, that's like this devilish magic talisman that just reaps death wherever it goes. Um, and then they end up calling the police. Uh, the good news is, is that, you know, the dispatchers and the local LEO guys, you know, they're going to they're gonna ask the question, hey... Okay, so the person has a gun in their hand. Are they pointing at anybody? Are they shooting the gun, this, that, or the other? There's a gun store right there uh, kind of mentality. Um, so it, it tends to not end up being a huge deal for us, but it can be at other places and stuff like that. So as you're, you know, that's why we ask you to bring weapons in, cased, unloaded and cased, um, in a case, in a bag, and something that covers them up. Quite honestly, a, a freaking beach towel is better than just having the gun in the open. And again, not because of your behavior necessarily, but more because of how the locals would just see a gun and assume bad guy. And in this day and age, if you don't know anything about guns or how guns are handled or whatever, um, I, I would almost say that it's probably not unreasonable to be freaked out by somebody carrying a gun across the parking lot uh, with this crazy as the world's gotten. So... So, 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 uh, if you get to the gun store and you don't have a case, come yell at us. We usually have them for sale. We can throw one in a case to drag it in and out, stuff like that. Um, or we can take off our shirt and wrap it around it because that'll be hot. Now that probably won't happen because I'm fat and nobody wants to see that. So, uh, but yeah, cased and unloaded kind of thing. For other reasons. Bingo, bingo. Uh, yeah, exactly. There's a fat pervert in the parking lot. Um, so the other thing would be, you know, the unloaded part of that. Again, uh, even gun guys occasionally will bring in a gun and they'll have a magazine in the gun. Then they'll go, oh, it's unloaded. They'll pop the magazine out of the gun. The magazine's completely loaded. Maybe there's not a round in the chamber. Um, or frequently there is a round in the chamber of the unloaded gun because the person doesn't remember how to handle the gun. They're not musashied up. And so they don't grab the sword. Like they're going to cleave a man in half every time they touch it. And so they end up chambering around trying to make sure the gun's unloaded or something stupid like that. So that's usually where that comes from. And again, understanding that our normal listenership is probably not in, in these categories. 
Uh, we do want to, I mean, you know, if you could push that out to other folks as they maybe state some manner of interest or tell them to check out this podcast or whatever. Um, lastly, maybe not lastly, but probably of the, of the three things that pop immediately to mind, as you're in the gun store and there comes a conversation around what you carry, how you carry it, light, no light, sights, what sights, this, that, or the other, um, whipping out your jammy like you're going to flat blast somebody to show your gun off um, is, is, again, generally viewed as, as poor gun store etiquette. The guy behind the counter may uh, turn in a safe direction, clear his weapon, remove and clear his weapon to show somebody a feature on a gun, um, primarily because they're trying to sell you something and they want to make money. Um, that's me. Um, and so, but done in a, in a, in a safe manner, uh, whipping the old gun out in the gun store when nobody knows who you are, um, is definitely something that freaks people out. You might be a former SF dude, uh, a steely eyed, hairy chested, uh, tatted up badass MF, um, who's like, look the devil right in the eye and then spit on his new boots. Um, but nobody knows that, so they don't know that you know how to handle the gun properly, etc., and that you're a stone-cold killer when you want to be. Um, so the problem with drawing, you know, getting your gun out is it does free people out. Uh, we, we a, lot of, a lot of our clientele are law enforcement. Uh, they're dudes that are professionals, and they don't know you from Adam. When they see a gun come out, they get super, super twitchy. Um, we behind the counter, unfortunately, are, are, I won't say used to it. Maybe. Maybe we're accustomed to it. I don't know. We try not to freak out, but we do also try and step in and take control of that situation immediately. Um, because even if we know you by first name basis, it doesn't mean we've ever seen you handle a gun and don't know if you can find your hands, both that your ass with both hands and a flashlight around a firearm, nothing yeah, personal. And, and unfortunately in this case, the law of averages is working against you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like I said, you may be that hairy chested, steely eyed killer. Um, but you know, generally we don't know that, or you may have been 40 years and 40 pounds ago too. And, and who knows now? So, um, yeah, so that, that's the etiquette briefing, um, for selling guns to a gun store. Now we actually get into selling guns to a gun store. Um, in a word, two words, don't, that's a contraction. It's technically two words, um, for those of you in the public school. So, uh, don't do it. Uh, selling guns to a gun store in general, in general, gun store math looks like this. If you walk in with a firearm that's say sub thousand, sub $1,200, somewhere in that range, you come into the gun store and you say, Hey, I want to unload this gun. Uh, pardon the pun. I want to sell this gun and move it down the road and take the cash and maybe go buy something else. Or I got a vacation coming up or I'm just flat broke and need the money, whatever. Okay, cool. Um, generally most gun stores are going to pull out the blue book of gun values. Um, if they still have this archaic device behind the counter, it'll be right next to actually stone carved 10 testaments. Um, if they have a paper copy of it and probably there'll be a, there'll probably be a Colonel Cooper book laying there nearby somewhere too. Yeah. Um, anyway, so <laughs> yellow pages open to the Chinese. But, yeah, exactly. Street. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to, to deride shoot straight and tell the truth or something like that. Anyway, um, so they're going to grab their blue book and they're going to throw out whatever kind of, they're going to assess the value of the gun, probably to your detriment um, or their favor. And, and then they're going to tell you, we'll give you half of that. We'll give you 50%, 50%. That's half the value um, or two quarters of the value. I don't know. I don't know what Common Core is doing right now. I guess you could estimate it somehow. Um, but they're going to give you half the value of the gun as a general rule of thumb. Um, you, for us, we push that number up a little bit higher if it's something we want. If you walk in with a modern defensive tool that's in good shape, we might push 60, even 70% of the value, but generally it's still only 60% of the value is where I'm going to put you. If we get above a thousand, twelve hundred bucks, then we get into maybe we'll offer you a little more than that. We'll get a little closer to the value, but the reality check is that it costs the gun store more money to sell a used gun 
And traditionally, there's always been more opportunity to make money on a used gun, and gun stores take advantage of that because we generally get clobbered on new guns. Um, if you look at our pricing and, and some of the big kids' pricing is really not all that differential. Uh, the big kids are in buyer's groups, so they're getting a few points more margin on the stuff they're buying. Uh, or maybe they're going direct to the manufacturer because they sell enough volume and they're getting a few more points. Um, but the margins on firearms are ridiculously slim. Gun stores make money on accessories generally and high-end ammo, not necessarily practice or training ammo. So when you come in and go, you know, come on, give me a little bit of love on this, there's not a lot of love to give. And a lot of that comes around to being made up in the used gun world. Um, and so we go from there. So having said that, there may be a reason or two um, to sell a gun to a gun store. Uh, perhaps you are a professional at arms uh, involved in maybe law enforcement as a profession. Uh, and you want that gun out of your name from a trace perspective, um, from a, I, I hate to use the term legality perspective, but a proof of ownership perspective. Um, you know, there are myriad and sundry stories of the police officer who buys a gun, decides he doesn't want that gun, sells it to another buddy who's a police officer who immediately takes it to the gun show and dumps it. And then at some point it comes back to haunt them because that serial number shows up involved in something and they're the last known point of possession. Um, so, you know, if that's the case and you want to sell the gun to the gun store, understand if you're law enforcement or a professional, we'll try and give you some love on it, but it just depends on what it is. And we may or may not be able to do that. Um, you know, if you're a, a civilian who, again, wants that gun out of your name, that's a totally reasonable, you know, purpose for coming in and selling a gun to a gun store. And we're happy to do that for you and purchase the gun from you. Generally, it just, there's some sting there. So understand what that sting is. Uh, those of you who work for other gun stores and are super pissed at me right now for telling everybody gun store math, I've been doing this for years. I don't care. Um, if you want the gun, suck it up and be more aggressive. If you don't, that's fine too. Um, the other thing is bigger gun stores like, and I'll, I'll throw out Vance's. I hope I'm allowed to say the name, um, without getting sued or something like that, but they're good dudes. They'll take care of you and buy that oddball gun that maybe a small store that specialized like us just doesn't want. If I, if it's not a defensive tool, I'm probably not interested in it unless the price is absolutely right, which is why occasionally you'll walk in here and you'll see something super fuddy, like a double barrel on the wall or something like that, it's because the customer just wanted to unload the guns and get them out of their possession, and they were willing to negotiate at, a, at terms that were reasonable for us. So sometimes we'll take those guns because the profit margin's there, and it's silly not to. Um, and somebody can walk in and find an oddball toy, and maybe it saves them a step to another gun store that they didn't want to go to to begin with. So, so that's kind of the why of gun store math. Uh, anything to add to that? Yeah, a lot of times you're, you know, the more customizations and things you oh, put on your gun, yes, um, the less we are interested in it. Yeah, it, um, it creates what, issues. Yeah. Yeah, um, The and primarily being, does the next guy down the road want that gun set up the way you have it set up? And, and so you may think you've designed the ultimate blaster 2022.3. Yeah. And, and the guy looking at it may not be able to use your optic due to astigmatism. The guy looking at it may not want a vertical foregrip because he thinks they're silly. The guy looking at it may not want whatever XYZ widget you put on it. Um, or more likely, just simply doesn't want to spend the extra money on the gun and wants it stripped off. If you're selling a gun to a gun store, probably your best bet, honestly, unless it's a unless it's a package set up by a custom manufacturer or a package set up by the manufacturer themselves, um, you got to scope on it, strip it off and sell it separate. Uh, you got uh, you know, some other kind of reflex optic or something like that, strip it off and sell it separate. If you've got 
lights, lasers, etc. Strip them off and sell them separate. Uh, because the the guy on my end buying the guns, like, you know, I don't want all that crap on it. Can we strip that off? Well, I don't want to do that because it's a pain in the butt to sell used used guns. Is, is enough work. Going to used accessories becomes a lot of work, even if they're premium opti you know, premium devices and stuff like that. Uh, the only things that I would exclude from that, you buy an AR, a lot of ARs don't come with iron sights. Having a set of flip-ups on it's not going to hurt you. Um, it's probably not going to gain you much either, but it's not going to hurt you. Um, and aftermarket things like grip stocks and stuff like that, probably not so much either. When you get into switching out things like, a say, a free-float forend on an AR, now we're tearing the gun apart and rebuilding it. So it's that conversation around, oh, well, I got a Daniel Defense. Yeah, but you tore it apart and you made it up as a, as a Chris gun. Um, or a Brian gun, not a Daniel Defense anymore, because Daniel Defense no longer torqued that barrel down and made sure everything was put together properly. And so there's a little bit of, of a ding you're going to take for that as well. Um, so yeah, definitely the accessories and stuff like that. You know, leave them at home, sell them separate. You know, do something like that. Uh, even mags. Um, I'm a mag nerd. I want 10 or 12 mags for every gun I own because that's just how I am. Um, I like to have six mags in reserve, just set aside unused. I like to have three for the range and three to keep loaded kind of mentality. Um, a lot of guys aren't like that and they don't want to pay for extra mags. So they're going to hit me and try and get me to take some, you know, give them some love because they don't want all the mags. Well, at that point now I've used mags to sell. Good luck. Um, which I don't want. And so generally that stuff becomes sugar that you're throwing into the deal. So, uh, just a piece of advice there. Some gun stores look at it like that. Other gun stores will look at the accessories on that from that mentality and say, is this a good enough quality accessory to be worth it or not? We do that too. I'm just going to offer to buy it separate more than likely. So, yeah. Um, and, they say, and this goes for rifles and pistols both. Uh, if you're selling a handgun with an optic on it, if it's not a good quality optic, again, you're probably going to get dinged on that. Uh, the holster for the handgun, nobody cares. Um, there's, you know, the box of holster, the drawer of holster exists for a reason. What works for you may not work for the next guy. He may already have a pet holster, um, or just may not want the holster that you bought. And we have a lot of folks who buy cheap and substandard holsters trying to find the grail without spending any money. And, and that it can be problematic as well, or just simply the guy's left-handed and you have a right-hand holster. It's, it's no good to him anyway. So, uh, yeah, so never sell a gun to a gun store. Um, Having said that, we're always interested in used guns. Just, I just want to give everybody kind of that peek behind the curtain from a math perspective. I will often joke with people as I give them the price for their gun, I will take a large step backward in case they have long arms and want to slap the shit out of me um, because they find the price insulting. Uh, now you know where we're coming from on that. Um, that's, you know, just how the business works, unfortunately. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. Anything yeah. else? Yeah, that, that's the summary right there. Cool, cool. Uh, last thing we're going to hit real quick um, is not really a state of the industry so much as a state of suppressors. Uh, if you're filing, if you filed paper a year ago, you probably have a month or two or three left. Uh, paper sucks and it's gotten worse. Uh, if you have done an e-forms purchase, uh, the ATF keeps backpedaling on dates. Uh, the dates keep extending out. Uh, yes, you keep hearing the lightning strike 30 to 60 days that somebody got on an e-forms processing. I'm not sure which uh, examiner that is they're getting that's pushing those through like that. But the reality check is uh, you're seeing 130 to 150 days on e-forms uh, as being pretty common. So we're chasing six months pretty fast. Um, every time we get close to seeing a batch of them that should be coming through, we hear that the dates have extended another 10, 20, 30 days. Uh, yes, it sucks. And there's absolutely zero we can do about it. Um, so 
by all means, if you have a paper form and you want to call us and check, that's cool. Um, you might also consider calling NFA branch for the ATF and just saying, hey, where am I at? And if they tell you, hey, that processed, if they say, hey, that processed less than a month ago, understand that it's still taking them two weeks to get it in an envelope, and then it can take the post office up to two weeks to get it to us. So we're still seeing a 30-day, up to a 30-day lag time, more commonly three weeks, but up to a 30-day lag time between your approval date from ATF and when the paperwork actually hits our mailbox. Uh, we check our mailbox every day. If you have a, if a, if a completed Form 4 with a stamp shows up, we are generally on the phone with you within 24 hours. The only reason we take the 24 hours is because we have to physically go pull your can out of storage and make copies and get everything ready to go. And we can't make copies until we get the paper to make copies with. So generally, that's where we're at on that. If you're doing e-file um, and you're out, you know, four, five, six months, it's okay to call the ATF and check on those too. Um, there's a weird lag there as well. They're approving those, but electronically, I don't know how quickly it's hitting the end user. What I'm hearing is that it can be up to a week before they decide to email you. Um, I, we haven't seen that personally yet, but if it is, that's the case. Um, in the case of an e-forms, they're going to email you the completed form for with your digital tax stamp. We ask that you call us and notify us that you have it. We're probably going to ask you to forward that email so we can make our copies and again, prep everything. Uh, but if you walk in the door with your, your copies made on your e-form stuff, um, and say, Hey, I need my can. We may not be able to pull it for you on the same day. So get a hold of us ahead of time so we can make that work for you. Depends on how busy we are, whether or not that can happen. Um, so a little heads up on that. Um, you know, we, we want to get you your can as soon as possible, but there's a process on our end to get it out the door as well, involving physically pulling the can and making sure that we have proper documentation and copies of everything for the ATF to keep in our files forever and ever and ever, or until they decide to come take them. Um, so anything else to add to the yeah, ATF? The, thanks, you know. thanks, Sleepy Joe. Yeah, thanks, Sleepy Joe. I, I do wonder if that's by mandate. I do wonder if there's some quiet mandate for the ATF to just kind of take a nap and not process this stuff. Yeah. Um, and then finally, uh, current events, uh, something in the news about some ATF dude supposedly maybe in Philadelphia going door to door asking people about guns uh, caused somebody to root up a year old video of an ATF agent in Columbus uh, following up on a possible straw purchase, but with no warrant and without his badge on his belt, which led to an encounter with local law enforcement. Um, whoever the dude was that, that tased that guy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I could buy you a beer, stop in the shop. I'll give you a voucher for a free beer or a margarita next door at Louie's. Uh, because not picking on ATF agents at all, that particular dude was a douche. Um, yeah. he deserved getting zapped. But when you come in the store and say, Oh my God, ATF agents are in Columbus trying to check guns, trying to go collect. That's year old. Um, and the guy was actually following up on a legitimate concern. He just wasn't doing it with the proper paper or attitude. So, um, <laughs> sucks to be you. Uh, don't be a douchebag. When the police show up and point guns at you and tell you to lay on the ground, just lay on the damn ground. It solves problems a lot quicker. Uh, funny thing, if you don't fight with the police, you generally don't get hurt. When you fight with the police, bad shit happens. Stop doing that shit. Uh, anything else? That's there's, good. There's yeah. your PSA. And that's on one cup of coffee, guys. That's one cup of coffee. Wait till next time when I have some of Shane's Magic Vietnamese coffee. Woo! Ooh incoming yeah. <laughs> thanks for tuning in uh on that note follow us along on social media we're on facebook and instagram uh facebook search for cap city outfitters instagram search for cap city outfitters too uh on our website capcityoutfitters.com you can find information such as how to do an FL transfer 
or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. Uh, also on the website, you can sign up for our email newsletter or drop us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com. And then lastly, come visit us at the store. We're here in Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road. Um, we're open 10 to 5 Tuesday through Friday through Labor Day and then 10 to 3 on Saturday. Uh, we look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for tuning in, guys.